Welcome. Yes, welcome to all of you marvelous, happy warriors. Welcome to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, where I, your rabbi, reveal how the world really works. This show is for you. This is not a show for crooks, creeps, clowns, or cranks. It's not a show for misleaders, malcontents, and miseries. It's not a show for frauds, fakes, and phonies. It's not a show for drifters, dreamers, or derelicts. No, it's a show for happy warriors. And happy warriors are those of us who are firmly fixed and focused on our five Fs. We don't waste time on entertainment. We don't waste time dreaming or drifting. No, we focus on nurturing relationships with our finances, with our families, with our faith, with our friends, and yes, with our own physical fitness as well. That's what a happy warrior is. Somebody who is joyfully engaged in the God-given struggles of life to improve our families, to build and improve our finances, to try and develop that little-known human need. But such an important subconscious need it is, and that is for a relationship with God, a relationship with a spiritual reality. Uh, relationships with friends, so easy to neglect. And of course, easiest of all to neglect, our health, our physical well-being. That needs work as well. And so a happy warrior is somebody who happily accepts the challenges of these fights and struggles because it's not easy to build and grow a family, no. And it's not easy to build and grow your finances. And it isn't easy to build and grow a relationship with your faith. And it's not easy to maintain relationships with friends and to grow them and build them and nurture them. And no, it's certainly not easy to improve your own physical fitness. But we happy warriors, we love that challenge. We relish that challenge. And so I welcome you to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, the only show on the World Wide Web that produces no carbon emissions or hot air, the show that reminds you that the more that things change, the more you have to depend on those things that never change. And... Uh, I'm going to talk about only three of the five F's today because sometimes when you focus on too many things, uh, you end up being paralyzed. And so let's leave out today, um, if you don't mind, friendships and let's leave out fitness. Not that those aren't important. If you've already downloaded your free copy of my ebook, The Holistic You, that explains how each of these five things are connected to one another, then you should do that soon because that way you'll understand that I locate each of the five Fs, your family, your fitness, your faith, your finances, and your friendships, I locate them on a circle and I situate them exactly 72 degrees apart so they are equidistant around the spacing, around the circumference of the circle. And my idea of using a circle is to keep reminding myself that you can start anywhere on a circle and you'll cover all the five. The order is not important, 
but that we focus on all fives it is. But today, I'm hoping to provide you with practical guidance on improving your life. Yes, I know we're living in a world that seems to be almost overwhelmed with challenges and difficulties. Um, there is the inflation in the United States of America, which is crippling. Um, it's, it's new to most people in the country today, have never experienced it before, most people. And, uh, and, I'm, and I'm aware there are other countries where it's happening as well. There's no question about it. We've got listeners all around the world. I've got listeners in South America who certainly are suffering from inflation. But it's not a new story there. And um, and so there are uh, lots of worries about whether the war in Ukraine is going to expand beyond Ukraine. No, I don't think it will. Uh, but, you know, you'll remember I did tell you in the last podcast of 2021, I did tell you that we would see a uh, Russian attempt at taking over Ukraine in 2022. Um I was a prophet on that, but so were most people. What I was wrong about was I didn't think it would take three months and still not happen. That I didn't think. Uh, I thought that the Russian military uh, would make quick work of Ukraine. I also didn't realize the extent to which the American president desperately needs um, Mr. Putin and the war in Ukraine in order to blame so many of his own faults and failings on. I, I, I underestimated all of that. I also uh, made a prediction about China and Taiwan, but that's for another time. Today, I want to focus on three out of the five things, three things that are really needed if you are going to improve your situation, which obviously, obviously you want to do. Right? There isn't anybody who doesn't want to improve their situation. And, uh, and obviously, you know, everybody would like to have more friends Everybody would like to have better physical fitness than they have at the moment. Everybody would like to improve in those areas. But today I'm going to focus on faith, finances, and family. Those are the areas that need our attention today because there isn't anybody who doesn't want a better and happier family relationship. There isn't anybody who doesn't want a better financial situation, and there isn't anybody, although here people may not realize it, I'm not going to say there isn't anybody who doesn't want, because there are many people who don't want, I'm going to say there are many people who don't need a better relationship with faith as well. Please always be aware that if you feel that your particular situation needs more information, more guidance, more direction than time allows on this episode of the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, then all you need to do is head over to the website, www.rabbidaniellappin.com, and uh, in the store section there, you will find 
resources that will take you in meticulous and effective detail into finances. You will find the Financial Prosperity Package, a 10-hour video instruction program. You will find the book, Thou Shall Prosper, The Ten Commandments for Making Money, which has changed the financial destiny of hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, you will find the book, Business Secrets from the Bible. Ditto for that. Um, you may want more information on male-female relationships. Fine. There is a, an audio program called Madam, I'm Adam, Decoding Marriage Secrets from Eden. It's all there. And also, there is a great deal of readily available information in the form of thought tools, in the form of Ask the Rabbi columns, in the form of Susan's Musings columns, all that waiting for you at www.rabbidaniellappin.com. Um, also to be aware that uh, what I'm talking about would also be very useful for anybody raising children because you, you should never say to yourself, they're too young for us to worry about teaching them about these three areas, faith, family, and finance. There, there is no such thing. Firstly, it is never too early for you and your spouse to make sure that you are both on the same page. And secondly, no matter how young the children are, to already start surrounding them with an environment of understanding of God, male-female relationships, and money. No, it's, it's never too early. But uh, if you are working on getting yourself better up to speed on these topics, then that's always a very good start. And we're talking about basics here, right? Right. I'm not talking about uh, going to learn the great classics or learning how to uh, do jiu-jitsu or karate or krav maga, uh, because if you really want to learn the art of self-defense, in my view, the place to start is boxing, and then perhaps move on to other things. But boxing, yeah, that's a very good place to start for reasons I've discussed in other shows. But we're talking about the basics. And, and look, the fact is, you can camouflage this as much as you like with modernity. Go ahead, camouflage it with fancy Armani suits and Mercedes-Benz vehicles. Camouflage it with credit cards and banking systems and investment strategies. Camouflage it with online dating apps and bars and nightclubs. Camouflage it any way you like. But the bottom line is that you are still dealing with the simple, inescapable fact that human beings need food, clothing, shelter, and water. That's what they need. And that male and female are drawn to one another. Those are the inescapable realities of the world into which the good Lord placed us. We've got to figure out how to deal with it. 
there are societies that do not get it right. Those are societies of chaos, of human suffering, and of destruction. And even within Western societies, on the outskirts of Paris, in entire towns in Sweden, in every large American city, it is not hard to find groups, demographics, neighborhoods that do not know how to deal with sex and money. Because that's really what we're talking about, isn't it? That is the essence of this. They simply don't know. And that's why I say that if you can make sure that you and your children, you and your family, really understand the spiritual essence, number one, then they can move on to really understanding male-female relationships, and number three, how money works. This is incredible, because if you can get these three things right, it makes it possible for us to live far better, far healthier, and far longer with far less effort than cows or camels or cats or kangaroos. You'd be doing your children a massive favor if you made sure that they understood God, money, and sex. That's it. There's a whole lot else as well. But none of that will be of any use if your children have not got this straight on these three things. You might say, you know, why, why is the rabbi talking about faith when, when what we really only care about is money and sex? And the answer is that in both those areas, success and fulfillment and happiness is only achieved by means of postponement of gratification, the ability to defer gratification, the ability to apply standards of self-discipline. And those, my dear friends, those qualities, postponement of gratification, discipline, those come from the first one I mentioned. Those come from faith. Are there no people who have self-discipline and self-restraint who are not people of faith? Sure, there are. Absolutely. But as I've often told you, um, I had the pleasure of meeting a great actor, a wonderful actor, George Burns, um, who was at that point already well into his 90s. And uh, I met him at Hillcrest Country Club in Los Angeles. And it goes without saying that he was puffing away on what he told me in response to my inquiry was his third cigar of the day. Um, look, um, did George Burns live a long life smoking a great deal? Yeah, he did. Probably not a really good policy. In general, for most of us, we will improve our health and live better if we do not smoke. I mean, that, that much is clear. Can you get away with it? Possibly. But if your interest is increasing likelihood, you know what to do and what not to do. And in the same way, yes, uh, there are people with incredibly healthy reserves of self-discipline and self-restraint 
and the ability to defer gratification uh, who do not have any faith and are not connected to God in any way. That is true. But usually they are people who have some deep commitment and faith to something. Uh, in many cases, it is military service. And people who have taken their military service seriously also do develop the same kind of ability to exert considerable self-restraint and self-discipline. But that's an easier thing, particularly in the areas of money where the urge to spend is a very strong one, which I've explained in other shows, and in the area of sex where the urge to indulge is an incredibly strong one, obviously, and in both cases, greater success is achieved by deferment of gratification, by self-discipline. And so uh, that's why it is these three things that I'm speaking about. And that's the, the reason that uh, the, the, the problem areas of the world, whether it's cities or areas or neighborhoods in any country around the world, entire societies that are not working, not functioning, you will be able to see that the areas of indulgence that prevents them achieving greatness on any level are the areas of sex and money. That's how it is. So these are the three big ones, the three big truths that you and I and our children need to absorb within our hearts in order to live successfully. Number one, we have to capture the idea of the spiritual realities. We've got to capture the idea of absolute good and evil. Yes, there is such a thing as a definition of good and there is such a thing as a definition of evil. Because if you don't know anything at all about the spiritual aspect of life, you're not gonna know anything at all about good and evil. The two go together. And so as spiritual reality has evaporated from public life in the Western world, in Europe, in the United States, North America, as spiritual awareness has ebbed away since the early 1960s, so inevitably does understanding of good and evil. And so does situational ethics, which is the viewpoint that says What's right for you may be wrong for me and vice versa. Uh, everything right and wrong are all relative. There is no such thing as good and evil uh, because it just depends on your own personal expression, your own personal choice. No absolute right or wrong, no absolute good or evil. And, and that's what they really do believe. And it creates societal turmoil eventually. Uh, it's obviously very destructive indeed for anybody who believes in the value of a stable society. And uh, so we have to realize we've got to teach the spiritual reality of good and evil. Uh, we've, we've, that's, got, that's got to be basic. Uh, successful child raising. And who, after all, is your most important child? Who is the one most important person in the world who it is your responsibility to educate for success? That's right. It's the person whose name is on your driver's license. That's exactly right. Right. 
And so um, if this is an area you have neglected, if for no other reasons than gaining help in strengthening willpower and self-restraint, and for no other reason than gaining a sure and fixed understanding of good and evil, right and wrong, those are excellent reasons for making sure that faith is included in the big three of today's show. So uh, second one, right, we've got to teach how money really works. Got to do that. And number three, we've got to teach how male-female relationships really work. And um, if, if you are at the point of raising children who are still young, maybe you're not even married yet. Well, in that case, that's excellent because you will be able to build your life relationship with a spouse on the principles of male-female relationships that we're discussing. Maybe you're influencing your children who are raising your grandchildren. I would recommend that you think this through very carefully for whatever place in life you are. I would recommend that you listen through and enjoy this podcast. I'm certainly intending to make it as palatable as possible, even though we are covering some really serious things. Because the important thing to remember is that one can easily blow one's life. One can easily blow one's children's lives. It's the easiest thing in the world. And one of the ways of making sure that you don't damage your life or your children's life is making sure that whatever else you do for them or whatever else you do for yourself, it is that you understand these three specific areas. You've got to really ask your quest, yourself the question, do I understand the spiritual realities, including good and evil? Do I understand how money really works? And do I understand how a male-female relationship really works? I think it would probably be safe to say for, for many of us that we've not really thought about this purposefully enough and deliberately enough. But, um, and here's one way to test it, by the way. Look back on your life and ask yourself, try and identify the points in your life where you took wrong turns, places in life where you made the wrong decisions. These might not have been in and of themselves major crossroads of life, you know, where you step back for a moment and peered out towards the horizon and you said, well, this is a big decision I've got to make. Um, but no, you see, life doesn't always work that way. More often than not, it's a sequence of smaller crossroads. It's a sequence of smaller decisions and choices that in aggregate total up to a going off in the wrong direction. But if you think back to places where you made bad decisions, and maybe you've even paid the price, maybe you're still paying the price for wrong choices, you would see that they, they've mostly been in these three areas. Our connection with God, how we understand money, 
and how we understand male-female relationships. Those are the areas in which, tragically, most of us have made the most serious mistakes. So let's fix it going forward, shall we? Both for you and for all those other human beings, you are in a beautiful position to influence and help. Maybe you made mistakes in, um, in, the, in the area of good and evil. You know, plain and simple. Uh, you just were not completely committed to the idea that, yes, there are absolute goods and there are absolute evils. They do exist in the world. And yes, we do make mistakes in that area. Or um, maybe it was in the area of money. You know, maybe you spent an important part of your life volunteering when you should have been working to build up a profitable and remunerative career. Who knows? And uh, maybe you made a mistake in the area of male-female relationship. Maybe a lot of mistakes. And here, by the way, mistakes are made equally by women and men. Women tend to make the mistake very often of having enormous faith in the redemptive power of romantic and erotic love. And yes, there is some truth to that. God did create the world and and that's how I see it, of course. And I know I have listeners who I value, who, who see things a bit differently. And I'm grateful that you find value in this podcast. And uh, so you know what I'm about to say will be as relevant as, and as useful, whether you believe that we are here on this planet through a lengthy process of unaided materialistic evolution, or you believe that God created us in his image and put us here. But either way, the way I put it is that God created us in such a way that men are incredibly motivated by women, both in terms of romantic love, in other words, earning the love and especially the respect and the admiration of a woman, and the potential of erotic love. Those things do have the power to transform men. They really do. And women are much more aware of that intuitively than men are, which is why so many women seek to fix men, where women think, well, I'm going to be able to make that deep hurt go away. I'm going to be able to help restore his relationship with his family. I'm going to be able to help him begin to take work seriously and develop some ambition financially. And this is one of the great mistakes that women make, not understanding male-female relationships. And uh, by the way, if women can do that, and it is true, then why does it work out so badly so often? Well, the answer is that women do have the power to transform men with romantic and erotic love. They make the mistake of loving boys instead of men. And none of what I'm speaking about works on boys. As a matter of fact, there's only one sort of person that should love a boy unconditionally, and that's his mother. But no, no woman, particularly a young woman, should love a boy. She should only lavish her love and spread her affection over a man, but never a boy. That's why these kinds of mistakes take place. Men, or of course I should say boys, probably make the mistake of using their eyes instead of their ears. And overwhelmingly, I think you'll agree, that you or any of the men you know who made dreadful romantic choices in life, bad, bad mistakes in the area of male-female relationships, well, mostly 
we guys do it because of the impact of what they see with our eyes, not with the impact of what we understand with our head and hear with our ears. And so that is what we're looking at, these three areas, and how we get a full and clear understanding of spiritual reality, male-female relationships, and how money really works. Now, why would it be that the Hebrew people, the people of Israel, are, not, uh, are in fact disproportionately good in these three areas? Now, uh, I, am, I want to make very clear that there is not such a thing as the Jewish people. There isn't such a thing as the Jewish community because in the overall category of self-identified Jews, you have people who could hardly be more aggressively antagonistic to Scripture, to the Bible, to God's message to mankind. And then at the same time, you've got a much smaller part of the Jewish world in many different countries um, who are deeply committed to those words. And so what I'm saying is primarily true for Jews who are faithful to the five books of Moses as opposed to those who reject it with great vehemence. And those who love and revere the pages of Scripture realize that the initial account in the first few chapters of Genesis, speaking about Adam in the Garden of Eden, this is not a storybook. This is not a narrative. This is not a, uh, a history book. No, it's none of those things. This is much more like the instruction manual for a nuclear power station, excepting that it's an instruction manual to something much more complicated than a nuclear power station, and that is your life, maximizing your time on this planet. And so Adam is not just a story about a man. No, Adam is something very fundamental. Um, Adam is representative of the primal man. Let's take a look at what we see in the complex structure and syntax of the story of the Garden of Eden. And uh, it's evident that there are three main dimensions to the Garden of Eden. One of them is God. The other one is man. And then there's woman. Well, what's going on in the story? Well, the main thing that I want to, and again, in some of my resources at rabbidaniellappin.com, I go into greater detail. But here we've only got a limited amount of time together. And, um, and so we'll, we'll look at it quickly, who, uh, at Adam as the, the guy who right at the outset, he really knows more than any of us in the sense that we have to gradually work and develop a relationship with God and with the world around us. Here is Adam relating immediately as a sentient adult. And whether or not you're a religious person, then at least you're going to want to develop a relationship with the spiritual side of life. It's inevitable. And so you're going to want to know and understand these things. 
And so we, we look at Adam and Eve and we'll see male-female relationships going on there. And then we'll see a relationship between mankind and the earth. In other words, everybody has to eat, everybody needs food, everybody needs to be able to drink, and it is the earth that is able to supply these things for us in conjunction with us working according to the blueprint, working correctly. And it's so very easy, sadly, to look at cultures and countries and neighborhoods and societies, um, which, which I've done in, in many other of the earlier podcasts. And, um, and you can go back and hear how, obviously, societies and neighborhoods and, and countries and demographics that do not follow the biblical blueprint, uh, they do pay the price very severely in terms of economic failure, cultural failure. And when I say cultural failure, I mean that essentially life is not assured, not only in terms of sustenance, but in terms of criminality and plunder and banditry, massive problems. You can see these things happening in the United States of America, where the rise in crime over the last few years, not due to COVID, not due to Putin and the invasion of, of Ukraine, no, due to the abolition of a blueprint that held America together from the 17th century all the way through to 1962. That's right. That's how it works. And let me give you my favorite example because, again, I, I really do want to make clear that you understand, and I keep reminding myself of this, that no matter how sophisticated we are, no matter how we think, oh, we're changed, we're not like our ancestors, we're not like our grandparents, um, I keep trying to emphasize to you that modernity and technology only serve to camouflage how similar we are to men and women of the past. There's not really that much difference. And so in order to try and give you a, an example that you can visualize, I hope you enjoy this example. Um, it's one that I, I do use frequently because I find it so useful to keep in my own mind. And that is, I ask you to imagine that you are a, an adult in charge of taking 50 high school boys. You've got 50, 17, and 18-year-old boys out on a, uh, a boat trip. And let's uh, stipulate that, uh, uh, that this is a sort of real-life replay of the old uh, sitcom of years back called Gilligan's Island, um, and that you all get shipwrecked. And let's stipulate that there are no wild beasts on the island and there, there, are, no, um, there, there, there are no dangers that threaten life. It's an idyllic desert island. And you're all cast up on the desert island. Your boat is destroyed. And I'll stipulate as well that you are going to be rescued in three years by uh, the Coast Guard or by whatever it is. It doesn't matter. And so as the adult in charge you feel a huge responsibility and an obligation to make sure that when the Coast Guard does arrive, there's still 51 people alive ready to be rescued. So your job is to try and keep all these 51 people alive. And 
initially you probably say to yourselves, well, <laughs> well, that shouldn't be hard. He's already said it's an idyllic desert island. There's no dangers and threats. So all we've got to do is sort of survive. Well, let's see just how that might actually work. And so what might you do as soon as, as, soon as you've landed on, on the beach, you gather everybody, there you all are, you know, no cuts and bruises, no broken limbs, everybody's good. What a miracle. Now we've got to make sure that we can survive for three years. So one of the things you might well do is you might decide to divide your 50 boys into five groups of 10. And you might say to the first group, you guys, I need you to go hiking off and uh, come back before dark, hopefully having found a source of fresh water. I know there's water on this island somewhere. You may have to climb up the, the, the mountain. You might, somewhere or another, you've got to find water, and you've got to start figuring out a way to get it to where we are. Uh, then you take the second group of 10 boys, and you say, you guys, your job, go off, search the island for fruit or vegetables that we can eat. You might say to the, the third group, you guys go down to the lagoon there and try and, fig try and catch some fish so we can get some protein. And you might say to the fourth group of guys, you guys go off hiking and I want you to come back with hopefully some small animals you've, or some big ones that you've managed to, to kill and you'll bring them back and we'll barbecue for, for dinner tonight. And then to the fifth group of 10 boys, you might say, you guys stay here and start building a shelter. You know, uh, it might rain. And if you're wet, it's hard to stay warm. We've got we to gotta build a shelter. And, and sure enough, you know, in, uh, by, by sunset, the shelter building guys have got a rudimentary shelter together. It's not as good as, as it's going to look in a few months' time, but it's something and people have found some water. It's a bit far away. They're figuring out what to do about that. And there's a bit of fruit and vegetables. And the fish guys have managed to catch one or two fish. Not enough for everybody, but at least there's a taste. And uh, the animal hunting guys, well, they didn't actually catch anything. But they did see uh, some wild pigs or whatever it was. And, and they're optimistic. Okay, great. Uh, next morning, you've got to send people out again. Now, you know, deep in your heart, you know the secret of specialization. And you know that although the results were not great yesterday, if you were to send different groups to do the different jobs, they have to start the learning curve all over again. And so you know that the right thing is to do to send yesterday's fishermen back to the lagoon because at least they won't make the same mistakes. Guaranteed they'll do better today than they did yesterday. And so it is with the other groups as well. But you're going to get a lot of complaints, right? And people are going to say, uh, um, you know, they just hung out on the beach. We had a climb. Look at us. We're sweaty and hot and dirty. And the other guys are going to say, we chased animals all. And no, we want a chance to do the fish. So right there off the bat, you're going to have considerable um, consternation brewing as people argue about what they should be doing. And as the adults in charge, you know what the right thing is. Do you have the mental strength to insist, to encourage, to influence people to agree, to in fact do that? I mean, the last thing you want to do is provoke a wholesale revolt against you. So you've got to figure out how you're going to do that. Well, things continue and uh, things start improving. There's more food, there's water. You know, it's, it's beginning to look as if you guys are going to be okay. 
uh, when all of a sudden, you know what rears its head? Um, arguments and fights between the boys. And many of them feel that some are not pulling their weight. And they come and talk to you and say, look, in our group, we got two guys who sat fooled around playing games. They, they were not working. They were not diligent. And uh, you have a decision to make. How are you going to deal with that? Think about it. This is a miniature society, you see. What are you going to do? How are you going to solve it? It's not simple. And uh, so you've got to keep the peace. You've got to make up your mind whether everybody eats equally or people eat in proportion to how hard they worked. That's a pretty basic question, isn't it? How are you going to deal with it? You've got to think about this. I should really pause, or you should pause the show now, as you think about the very real-life problems. Your job is to organize this mini-society in a way that it survives and everybody thrives and everybody is going to be rescued in three years' time. But these are some very challenging problems right there. Okay, well, uh, just when you think you've got all this worked out, and you, you're going to establish a pattern of coping with boys who are lazy and who don't perform, boys who want to eat but they don't want to work. Um, you know, you, you know, again, um, it's pretty obvious where God and faith come in on this as well, but let's leave that out for the moment. But now I'm afraid I'm going to make it a little harder for you. I'm going to take away 25 boys. You've taken only 25 boys. I've removed 25. You are on a boat cruise that wrecks on a desert island. Everything else stays the same. Wait, you say, 25 boys should be easier than 50 boys. Ah, yes, but I haven't told you the rest. It's 25 boys and 25 girls. So now you have 50 boys and girls, 25 boys, 25 girls, age 17, 18, thereabouts. And now everything is the same as before. Now what are you going to do? You see, there is an additional problem we've thrown in. The, the first version of the problem is we were just dealing with money, right? You understand, don't you, that money is just a metaphor for all the problems we were talking about up till now. But now we've got sex thrown in as well. And so now you've got a whole lot of different problems. One of them, very basically, is what are you going to do about pregnancies? Are you going to find a way to prevent them? Or when they do occur, who feeds the pregnant girl when she can't work? Does she get a portion of all the food? Or is the boy who impregnated her responsible for taking care of her food needs? Right? Does she get to eat fish? How does that get determined? And how do we decide who it was who impregnated her anyway? And is that important? I think you can see that as the only adult on the scene, the only adult on this island, the person to whom the world will turn in three years' time and say, did you keep those 50 children alive, those 50 young people alive? Well, these are some of the questions that have to be ascertained because the threat to people's lives is not wild animals. The threat to people's lives is not poisonous shrubs or dangerous fish. No, my friends, you know as well as I do. The real threat to people's life and health is male violence. I should have just said violence because it's not impossible 
for the girls also to begin to deteriorate towards violence. We see that happening in the United States of America. So the problems get much worse. You do see how important it is to have a system to which everyone subscribes. And that system has at its source spiritual reality and good and evil. So uh, let's take a look at uh, the three uh, chief areas I am focusing on in today's show. Let's start off with money, shall we? Uh, I'm going to share with you now three fundamental principles having to do with how money really works. Principle number one, you have no right to anybody else's money. There is no such thing as a right to anyone else's money. Well, what about charity? You don't have a right to charity. I have an obligation to give away 10% of mine, but I don't have to give it to you. I can choose the recipient. You have no right to anyone else's money, none whatsoever. And if indeed you are the beneficiary of a caring people who voluntarily and in, in, with good spirit give you, let's say you, you, you receive help from your fellow citizens in the form of uh, the dole or in the form of welfare payments or in the form of food stamps or whatever it is, you owe gratitude because you had no right. Do not be fooled when governments speak about entitlements you and I have zero entitlement to anybody else's money. That's something we really have to get nailed down within our hearts. We really have to wrap ourselves around that concept because we all tend to think, you know, from when we're little kids, you know, you, you, you grow up thinking you have a right to your parents' largesse. No, you don't. They do have an obligation to take care of their children, but that doesn't give you a right to anything. So, it's kind of overcoming the, the subtle but pervasive training of a lifetime to be able to understand. And by the way, this is really important, very helpful in terms of enhancing your own revenue producing abilities to really get clear. You have no right to anyone else's money. It doesn't exist. Number two, principle number two. So how do you get money? It's simple. You get money by serving other human beings. There is no other way. You get money by serving other human beings, right? I can't be simpler and clearer than that. And money is nothing but evidence that you have served other human beings. And so serving other human beings becomes a good and worthy activity. And principle number three, all this can only work within a social environment in which we agree on the basics of good behavior. I cannot possibly serve you if you have a mentality of exploitation. If you have a mentality that does not believe in the sanctity of a contract, if you grew up and are a person who has no commitment to sticking to your word, well, then there is no way that I can serve you. I would be crazy to serve you. So you do see how the collapse of a morality 
the collapse of the values of a society, the collapse of an understanding, a shared understanding of good and evil, inevitably result in economic collapse as well. So those are the three principles when it comes to money. I have no right to anyone else's money. Number two, money comes only from serving other human beings. And number three, I've got to do everything I can to make sure that I live in an environment where we share the value. So I can, in fact, serve you. That's pretty important for all of us to get clear. And uh, I just want to make sure that you understand I'm speaking very practically. This is not philosophy. This is not uh, social anthropology. This is not the history of economics. This is what you and I need to wrap ourselves around today. Not tomorrow, today, right now. If you wish to increase your revenue, if you wish to make more money, not take more money, that's easy, but make more money, then you need to wrap yourself around these ideas. Number one, nobody owes me anything. I have no right to anyone else's money. And number two, money is a result of serving other people. Great, then that's what I need to be doing. That means I must today quit the college I'm attending and taking a degree about uh, racism in medieval French literature and go and find a job. Go and find a way to serve another human being. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You think it's not worthy of you. You think this job is menial. You think this job is below you. Guess what? Go and find a better one. Find the best job you can. And that will be the right job for you. Ah, it's not what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. You won't. Because once you're working, the doorways begin to open. But as long as you're wasting your time with entertainment, and that means either sitting and watching videos or studying racism in medieval French literature or middle period Etruscan pottery or the history of Byzantine frescoes, that's right. All of this stuff is just entertainment. Stop it. Leave it. Quit. Save your, your tuition money. Stop increasing your debt and find a job. Just start working. Start making money. Well, it's not enough to live on. Well, it's better than nothing. And you'd be amazed how quickly it increases when you start delivering real value to some other human being. So do that right away. Now, what about if you're studying at college and you're studying for a specific qualification in a field in which there is actual need? That's different. If you're working towards a qualification in nursing, you're working towards a qualification in computer programming. You're working towards a qualification in apprenticeship in car repair, plumbing, rigging, anything like that, trucking. Yeah, go for it because those are things that will very soon put you in a position of being able to serve other human beings. Okay, so this stuff's real. It's practical and uh, real benefits. So that's when it comes to money. How about male-female relationships? Again, I'm going to impart to you three fundamental principles in the area of male-female relationships. Number one, men and women are completely different. They always have been and they always will be. And uh, how do you know if you are a man or a woman? 
I know that there are some very educated graduates of um, professional schools and postgraduate institutions who cannot answer that question. I realize that. But fortunately, I, your rabbi, am here with a simple strategic solution, and it's one that anybody can employ. If you're not sure if you are a man or a woman, it's really, really easy. Go and take a shower. And while you're taking a shower, look down. And if you see external evidence of jutting masculinity, then you are a man. And if you look down and there is very little to see externally, then guess what? You are a woman. And I await your emails of gratitude and appreciation because seldom has such a puzzling paradox been resolved by such a simple solution. You are welcome. I am your rabbi. And when we've established that, then we are able to recognize that, yes, men and women are completely different. Really important to understand that because there is absolutely no point in trying to build a promising lifetime relationship with somebody else of the opposite gender without knowing that what is coming together are two completely different creatures. Men and women have always been different and we always will be different. Nothing in modernity is going to change that. All it's going to do is precipitate major pain and suffering. Now, uh, principle, that's principle number one, that male and female are different. Principle number two is that men are at their happiest and most fulfilled, giving, supporting, and protecting. That's really, really important. Okay. It's, it's something that uh, women need to understand. A man is incredibly drawn to a woman who needs him. And we men are incredibly repelled by women who cite a variation of the old Gloria Steinem line that women need men like fish need bicycles. It's very witty and very funny and very false because uh, a woman can certainly get to the point of being independent of a man, not needing a man. She could. And the result is she'll never have one. That's right. I can't put it more plainly than that. Because we need, we men need somebody on whom to lavish our need to give. And even at its most basic biological level, we need somebody to whom we can give a seed. That's right. But the reality expands far beyond that simple biological fact. We are enhanced. We grow and we thrive when we can support and protect, defend and be there for others, a wife and then children. Do 
fathers bring children into existence? Yeah, on some basic level they do. But the most exciting part of it is that children bring fathers into existence. And here's a question to mull over, and uh, I'm sure you know the answer, so I'll leave it with you because I'm sure you'll get the answer right. But do men undergo most change when they get married or when they have their first baby? When men sit with their wives in the delivery room and the wife is cradling the newborn, at that moment, and the woman maybe reaches out and gives the baby and says, here, you take her, you hold her, and nervously, the man worriedly clasps the infant to his chest. Does that moment, is that of greater significance than when a man married his wife in the first place or of less significance? I'm sure you know the answer. And so uh, that is fact number two. That's uh, important principle number two. And uh, principle number three is that... Uh, Ideally, that relationship works best when it is sanctified. And there we are, back, of course, to number one, back, in, back to the faith area. Uh, what does sanctified mean? It means unique, special, and exclusive. And, uh, and sure enough, that is something that is incredibly important to realize. And that is that so profound is this male-female relationship that it leaves an indelible mark particularly on the woman, lesser so, but still on the man. In other words, a woman is changed by every single sexual encounter she has had. Inescapable, it's a reality. There are many people who are going to hear this and want to reject it, and do so, of course, at your own peril, because these are timeless truths these are permanent principles. It's simply that most people not only don't want to know about it, but they have been effectively propagandized by 50 years of culture that has assured them that there is no lasting ultimate significance in a sexual relationship. It's not true. And so uh, I've given you three invaluable, timeless truths about money. I've given you three timeless truths about male-female relationships. And uh, I said that I would share with you uh, on faith and God as well. And here I'm not going to give you three timeless truths, largely because it is extremely personal. Your relationship to God is something that nobody else is part of. In a way, it's like a marriage where my relationship with my wife is nobody else's business. Nobody else is involved in that. Nobody else knows the inner secrets of that relationship, and so it should be. It is, as I said, sanctified and exclusive. That was principle number three when it came to male-female relationships. And so when it comes to God, all I can say is that Try it. You know, this, this is like an advertising slogan, right? Try it. You'll like it. <laughs> um, it's very difficult. Uh, I'm not saying it's easy. Uh, it depends where you are. You may be fortunate to have already uh, connected with God. Um, it's, uh, it can be very emotional. It can be difficult, particularly for men, 
particularly for men for whom emotions are a little harder to come by, men who have a certain uh, emotional repression, very, very common among our species, and, uh, and surrendering to God, connecting with God in that way, uh, is hard. And, uh, and as I say, it's harder for men than for women, which is why it is not uncommon to find uh, more women than men drawn to a church. It's not uncommon. But it is even more important for us guys than it is for women. Uh, if you haven't yet got yourself a Bible, uh, I think you should do that. If you don't have one, you should. Uh, you might want to go to rabbidaniellappin.com and get yourself a fabulous Bible. It's, my, it's the only recommended Bible I do recommend, and it's right there on my website. You can go along and take a look at that and... Uh, get hold of that, or get any Bible. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. But get hold of a Bible and um, give yourself the discipline of reading a chapter a day, that's all, just a chapter a day, and you don't, you know, just read it. Take yourself to a coffee shop, go sit down somewhere, uh, wherever, you, wherever you won't be disturbed. It's really helpful to, to be alone for this, and just start reading. Where? From Genesis? That's, you know, that sort of works for my way of thinking. But, you know, you, you might enjoy starting off with Psalms or Proverbs. It's possible. Uh, you might decide to start off with a book of Ruth, which uh, I have been studying lately in anticipation of the uh, Bible festival of Pentecost called Shavuot, which actually begins in the year 2022, um, it begins on Saturday night, the 4th of June. So uh, it's, it's something that, that is on my mind. But wherever it, it doesn't really matter. It's a start, and that's what I would recommend. Um, you know, if you want to get to know a great painter, a great artist, I don't think it's a good idea to sit around and speculating in your mind on what he was like and, you know, l reading a book about him his history. I don't think that's a great idea. I think you should go and immerse yourself in his art. Go along and study his art. Look at it. Whether it's paintings, get to know his pictures. A musician, if you're really into a certain musician, you could read history books about him, but why waste your time? Go and listen to his music, that's all. You'll get to know him. You don't have to worry about that. And uh, so it is. You know, and I, I'm speaking now, obviously, to people who don't yet have a relationship with God. Um, and please understand, you're not notches on my gun. I mean, it, i, I got to be honest, it, it makes no difference to me whether you do or you don't. In the same way, it doesn't change my life if you live healthily and if you make a good money, if you make money. I think those are wonderful things, and, you, and I, I'm here to serve you by encouraging you to do those things. I'm encouraging you to have a fantastic male-female relationship with a man if you're a woman, with a woman if you're a man. I'm encouraging you to create and make wealth, and you should do that. And I'm encouraging you to build a relationship with our creator because it'll help you. And so uh, don't read about him. Don't go to, for heaven's sake, don't go to college and study comparative religion. No, come on, don't waste your time. No, just read his work. Read the Bible, that's all. And 
you will be astonished at spiritual changes, things you feel, things you understand. That's how it works. So, uh, my friends, that brings us to the end of the time we have available for today's episode of the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show. The website, as always, is rabbidaniellappin.com. Uh, become a happy warrior. Join our community of happy warriors. That's all available there because there's strength in numbers. And yes, I do get strengthened by knowing that I am not alone. Me, struggling to be the best happy warrior I can be, I'm st- strengthened and encouraged every time I'm aware that another one of you has joined and become part of our Happy Warrior community. Stay in touch. Connect with me in any ways that uh, that uh, you can. We make that easy to do. And uh, I want to wish you a week of incredible growth with all your five Fs. Absolutely. All of them, your fitness and your friendships, but particularly this week. I urge you to focus on faith, on finances, and family. I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin. God bless.